the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chant and Larry Jones. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and happy uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, that's when we're going to be airing this one. I'm here, I'm Dr. Mark, and I'm here with my co-host, Larry Jones. Our show is all about teaching the public a little bit more about healthcare, and we've always got something to talk about, Larry. It's in Absolutely, the news every Dr. day, Mark. right? Yeah, glad to be with you again today. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to see mm-hmm. you, as always. Well, we prepped up this show. We've got a little bit about COVID. Uh, yep. You know, it, it's been great news. In I, I, we could look at the number of minutes that we talked about COVID nineteen yep. yep. diminishing along with the number of cases that are going on. So that's Absolutely. that's always great. Yep. But let's hit up the what we think is really great news. Yep. So the FDA has approved having the uh, vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, mm-hmm. for kids ages five and up, five, five to eleven, five to right. eleven. So right. the, the the rest are already approved. Correct. And uh, right now, by the time the show airs, I'm thinking that the CDC will probably approve it and yes. we'll probably be getting shots in arms next week. They, I believe they were actually reviewing it last Tuesday. Right. Right. Yeah. So we should be yeah. uh, we should be knowing about that. And yeah. and we were just talking about it. you've got a, a grandchild and I've got a son. And yeah. They're they're, yeah. they're both actually you have two. I've got twin 11 year olds and an eight year old. And then I've got an 11 year old son yeah. and all, all of them are going to be uh, in line for this vaccine. Sure. And, sure. But about how many people are we thinking are going to get this? Yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's talk about that, Dr. Mark, because of the 28 million kids that fall in America under that 5 to 11, mm-hmm. it's estimated that about 30 percent have the parents have said they are definitely getting their kids vaccinated. Right. There's about 30 percent also say that no are way, saying, no, no way we're doing this. So, so when how do we at, take care of that? So void? if we look at the mm-hmm. 12 to 17 year olds, uh-huh. so we saw greater than 30 percent. It, it started at about 30, and it yep. grew. And I, I, the top number still stayed way lower than, than it should be. Yeah. I mean, you know, yep. it, it did, yep. or 16 and up, I should say. Yeah. And so it, it was lower, but it has slowly increased over time. Yep. I think a lot of it is timing. So we've got kids, at that point, it was right before school started, right? right. This sort of falls in the whatever time. I mean, I guess we could say semester changes. Maybe people... Mm-hmm. When they come back from the holidays and they're thinking about getting back into school, maybe that'll bring the numbers up a little bit. But you start to get into that age group where anti-vaccination has a stronger hold for the other vaccines. And you deal with this with kids all the time because you're a pediatric surgeon. Right. Yeah. So you see patients that come in and have, have different reasons they don't get vaccines. So the younger the population the, the fresher that is on their mind, whether they're anti-vaccine right. or they just are in that conversation. Right. So I'm I'm guessing the numbers are pretty accurate. It's going to be 30 percent off out yep. out the door. And I think it'll happen really quickly. Yep. And then right. we'll just have to continue the campaigns. All I can say is. People go talk to your pediatricians. Exactly. 
Now, they're not going to have the shots in their office, but they're going to have an opinion. They're going to have data. So and get an I'm opinion from your PC, your yeah, pediatrician before I mean, you go and get you the trust, shots. Right? I mean, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you can sit here and flip through the media all day long. You can yep. listen to us all day yep. long, but That's who right. do you know? You That's know right. your pediatrician, right. and I'm assuming you trust them if you mm-hmm. keep them in the family. Let's see what they say. Well, let me ask you a couple things. Them. You know, the this authorization is for emergency use only, as right. you know. It's not a full approval. Correct. Do you think that's going to have any impact on uh, who decides not to get these vaccines? You know, I, I really don't, because when it was the workforce age, the impact really came upon whether businesses could say you had to have it. Right. Right. There really were, there weren't that many people. That's true. There were people that stated, nah, I'm going to wait till it's full approval. But nothing hap- nothing's happening between yep. emergency approval and full approval. Right. It, th- there were plenty of reports of, of side effects and issues between emergency approval and full approval for the yes. Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. That's right. But we didn't see any change in who was getting it, yep. what they were doing. Yep. So and I don't know, expect anything different, different here. Right. And, you know, the other argument is you've got all these parents that some say, I want my kids wearing masks in the elementary schools. Some say I don't. Right. How could you rationale, I want my kids wearing masks to protect them and then not get the vaccine? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it, it does play out into different issues because of politics, right? right. And, right. I, you know, I can't, you can't put it past it. People are going exactly. to, everyone has their opinions and it kind of yeah. depends Who's on. Who's rational these days, Dr. There's Mark? No, nobody's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, yeah, smart thinking and, and science yeah. thinking. Yeah, I don't even know how to define rational thinking anymore. It's gotten so either. confusing. <laughs> but I do hope to see that, because clearly, now, if you talk about whether or not the kids are at risk from not being vaccinated, clearly this is the age group that is the safest having COVID. That's right. Now, there are fatalities. There are serious illnesses. I think there's been yeah. 150 kids in America that have actually died from right. COVID. So so, yeah. so it's these the numbers, that, but that isn't what we're thinking this is about. This is about herd immunity. This is about exposure right. to the teachers, exposure to the grandparents. So really exposure to everybody else. So some would say, well, is it fair to inoculate the child to protect the family and i'll you know i'll let everyone i'll let everyone answer that themselves that's okay? right. i have my that's opinion right. that's a personal but, but choice yeah so i i can that's respect right. that you know in in this case when we're talking about you and i getting the vaccine mm-hmm. we're tr- trying to avoid getting covid exactly right and we were trying to avoid getting sick and getting out of work and ended up in the hospital yeah. right whereas here with the kids they're really going to avoid quarantines when there are exposures right so that's a plus right. And most importantly, they're going to avoid being spreaders. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that we talk about this because if you recall during the height of the pandemic and all the infections, parents were keeping their children away from their grandparents. Sure they were. For months at a time. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't able to see their kids, grandkids or even hugging. Better part of a year. When uh, the at least a year. Yeah. 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 No, no question. Yeah. No question. Even after the vaccine. There was there's a lot of hesitancy for people to get together. Yeah. So anything that brings people back together, I mean, you know, we talk about normalcy and it, normalcy is different to everyone. Are we talking right. about the economy? Are right. we talking about, right. you know, getting together with family? At the, the workplace. Very basis, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. there's so yeah. many things that have yeah. changed, but that should be the first thing that right. we can get back to normal is get the family unit an extended family unit back together. I mean, that would that would be something that I think would help yeah. a lot of Americans. Couldn't today. agree with you more, Dr. Mark. And, you know, the beautiful thing is we're here and now 
is hospitalizations are down, Definitely. infections are down, mm-hmm. deaths are down, and the actual infection rate has dropped below 4%. Right, right. So lower than we've seen yeah. since since the beginning of identifying it as a pandemic. Sure. Uh, what's going to happen next, we don't know. I mean, right. there's always uh, the folks out there say, well, we've got another spike coming, and we oh, might. Right. There may but, be. Yep. But, you know, hopefully we learn uh, and we get kind of chipping away at the yep. number of vaccinated yep. folks and, you know, and now boosters are are fairly commonplace. I think they're pretty easy to sure. get. And, you and I have both yeah, had them. Yeah. So yep. so I think when we start getting that, that's a whole nother discussion of necessity. And I think yep. there's a lot yep. of a lot of discussion that has to be made before we know what that mm-hmm. all means. Yeah. And, and we'll have the data. I've had quite a few people tell me that they didn't know if they were going to get the booster mm-hmm. or not. And yet most of them are not at that six point six month point either. Well, I mean, if you had yep. the Johnson and Johnson, they want you to get the booster in like right? two months, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so that time has come and gone for most people, mm-hmm. and not to, not to say that you shouldn't get it, yep. but the booster. I mean, it's I could never imagine having so much discussion, so much media, so much airtime throughout the world about vaccines. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of phenomenal, and and as we sit here, we could just. We could take calls all day long and right. address the same que- The questions yeah. haven't changed, Larry. No, they haven't. And, and the we media, do have more data. We do have more data. Well, you know, it's interesting that they claim that a pandemic only happens every 100 years. So this very well could be the only pandemic in our lifetime. Yeah, but that's based on a, an N of one, right? So 100 right. years ago, right. 100 years before that, yeah. we have no idea. But yeah, that's who, right. who knows? That's I, right. think, I think the big differentiator here is world travel. Yes, so pandemics really have a hard time happening outside of people traveling around. And now the you know world travel is so common mm-hmm. in, in personal vacations and business and everything that we do that I, I don't I don't think we got another hundred years. Yeah. I just don't. I remember early on in our discussions on this show of covid, you made a statement that we have to help vaccinate the world. Right. And you know that uh, Biden and the administration has sent out hundreds of millions of vaccines right. to different countries. And I think that goes right back to your statement with world travel. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, yep. it's whether you close your borders yep. or you, you make sure the world's vaccinated. Sure. I mean, I, they are. It's it's funny. You didn't. There's not like a, a publicized list and you can find out what countries did close their borders. Right. And what did I just see that Fiji just opened up? Now, I didn't know Fiji had closed down because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't heading that way anyway. <laughs> but but if you think about there are countries whose economies really got crushed because they were, yeah. that tourism was so important. Really well, it's interesting else, right? when you mentioned Fiji because there's no doors in Fiji. Everything's outdoors. Right. There you go. That's a very good point. But they, they had they had cases yeah. and they shut things down. Yeah. yeah. But they are opening up. And if you look at what their requirements are. They're basically the same thing. You have to right. come into the, uh, and I could get this wrong because I just saw basically a travel commercial, but it was, they said you could come into this, into Fiji uh, with a negative test and then you had to get retested within a couple of days. You had to be vaccinated right. if you were over 16. Right. And uh, kids could come in if they were traveling with vaccinated parents. Right. And then before you left, you had to get another test. Right. So who knows how easy or how difficult it is right. to get the test. Right. But, but I mean, you're just kind of looking at like what the, these these travel groups in all countries throughout the world they're looking at a whole different world now on what they have to do. So we're we're never going to go back to 
the way it was. And I'm right. not saying that like right. a gloom and doom. There are just certain things, like, for instance, after 9-11, you yeah. think we're ever getting rid of TSA? Never. Right. So yep. things happen. That's and right. I think the, the, you know, the, the world citizens have to uh, realize that that's sure. the way it is and figure out right. what makes sense. What's, what's, what's normal now, the new normal. Right. Well, right. Dr. Mark, I know we're getting close to ending this segment. So kind of summarize as a pediatric surgeon mm-hmm. and a medical person with this new 5 to 11 vaccine coming on boards, what would be your message to parents? Again, let's start back with go talk to who you trust. Go talk to your pediatrician because I, you know, we know that that we have failed as as a media population to give fair and balanced every day, every time. We just haven't done that well. And if you go, if you've got a relationship with your pediatrician, which I would say most of you do, go get an opinion. And I'm going out there and I'm telling you, I'm sure there are pediatricians out there that are not pushing for this, but Stay with that group, hear what they have to say, and then follow through. Uh, from a personal standpoint, you know, look at look at what your individual situation is. If you're homeschooled and you don't go see grandparents, man, I'm I'm hard pressed to push you on this, right? right? Right. But if you're if you're in school, and if you might be at risk of this child exposing this to an adult who's not vaccinated, or even an elderly adult who is vaccinated or someone who has a health issue, then you really need to add to that and say, we need to, we need to get this vaccine done. Great advice, Dr. Mark. Thanks for that. And uh, you're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. I'm Larry Jones here with Dr. Mark. And you can reach us at follow, our email is follow us at healthcarenow.us. Our website is healthcarenow.us. And we will be upgrading those as we move forward. But uh, Dr. Mark, we'll be right back. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Larry Jones with my co-host, Dr. Mark. And Dr. Mark, I know that you're on the faculty of Florida State University College of Medicine, Mm -hmm. and I understand there's an event that you are getting very involved in. You want to tell us about that? Well, absolutely. And I don't want to take any credit for this because I just learned about it at a a recent uh, faculty meeting, and I thought it was great. And IPN is going to be one of the sponsors, but it's called Women in Medicine. And as the uh, as the title would make you imagine, it's it's all about women in medicine, how they can unite through connection, education, and dialogue. But it's more than that, because it's going to be a meeting that really, when they, they say you know, who they want to attend, 
It's FSU supporters, healthcare professionals, alumni, students, family members, friends, mm-hmm. anyone who has an interest in health equity, inclusion, and other important topics. Interesting. Okay, so I yep. mean, that's pretty much er- anybody, and mm-hmm. they actually don't know that, that this is going to be on the air. And I guess I'll, I'll let them know beforehand. Sure. But, sure. But I do want to just talk to it. This is going to be a virtual event. Okay. Um, you can uh, you watch it virtually. Yeah, there's there's lunch involved. Actually, Panera will deliver lunch to you if you pay to to attend the event. How cool is that? Yeah, and so it's going to be Thursday, December 9th, twenty twenty one. Okay, from twelve to one. As I said, a virtual event. Uh, individual registration is forty five dollars with early bird options at thirty five dollars. Okay, and registration includes lunch that will be provided by Panera. That's okay. uh, delivered directly, or you can pick it up. And there are sponsorships available. Contact information very yes. important. Okay. So. Amber Post, she's the Senior Development Officer at FSU College of Medicine. Her number is 813-758-3257 or women at med.fsu.edu. Yeah, repeat that, Dr. Mark. So women at med.fsu.edu. So give Amber a call, send an email, um, look up. Florida State University Women in Medicine, and your a page is going to come up. You're going to get some more information, but I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm really happy that uh, I just happened to hear about it, so we can yeah. get, get involved at, at, at an IPN level. Yeah, and I encourage uh, listeners who are interested. And, and if you're listening to the show, you're interested because right. that's that's right. what the show is is about. Well, Doctor Mark, what a great uh, venture to highlight women in medicine. And I find it interesting too that in your particular specialty, pediatrics, mm-hmm. a majority of pediatricians today are women. That's correct. And even yeah. and you take it to the next level because you look at general surgery and it's not very high, but right. you look at pediatric surgery yeah. and it's about fifty fifty. Oh, okay. I didn't yep. know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, med schools today tend to be at least fifty percent okay. uh, female, mm-hmm. and so I mean, definitely, definitely seen an advancement. And there's an important reason that people need to get to, be- to get together and talk about it. Sure, because if you if you're looking for equity in health and in treatment, your caregivers have to be the same board. You need to see the same diversity right. in your college of medicine that you do in your community. Right, and and okay. we haven't. Haven't done that historically, but we are making strides to go in that. I say we. I have nothing to do with it. I I'm not, but again, but not IPN credit, is going to be a goal sponsor of this event. Right. So very excited right. about that and uh, very excited about your leadership in this, Dr. Mark. Nope. Like, like I say, no no credit needed, but but women in medicine at FSU, uh, check into that. I think that'll be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. for bringing it up, Larry. That's okay. Great. So October 19th, the FDA issued a proposed rule to improve access and reduce the cost of hearing aid technology for millions of Americans. Larry, what does that mean oh, to, to us? Yeah, you know, if, if you've had parents that have gotten elderly and, you know, they call it the sandwich generation, you're taking care of your kids and you're taking care of your parents. Right. You've probably heard that terminology. Absolutely. There are so many. I remember my mother-in-law was hard of hearing and uh, a hearing aid for one ear would cost her a thousand bucks. Wow. Now she had the, the wherewithal to do that, mm-hmm. but most people don't no. have that kind well, of money. Thousand dollars. Yeah. And, 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 and she would lose, lose them, it three times them. a year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and so many times she would go with one hearing aid and at times she would go without for mm. 15 or 20 days while she could reorder it. So how does it work now? And Medicare yeah. doesn't cover any of okay. that. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. What about what about commercial insurances? Uh, they do cover 
the testing mm-hmm. of hearing mm-hmm. and the, the that type of thing, but they don't cover the cost of the hearing aid. I mean, the hearing aid advertising yeah. is thick. I mean, you see it yep. in the newspapers, yep. magazines. You see it at, you know, Costco and Sam's and Walgreens. Yep. I mean, there's it's a huge industry. Yep. So this is going to see support, yep. financial yep. support, to make yep. sure more people can get the hearing yep. aids. Well, let me explain that, because the proposed rule is to establish a new category of over-the-counter hearing aids to be sold directly to consumers in stores and online without an exam or a fitting from an audiologist. Hmm. And the goal of this rule is to facilitate the competition and hopefully lower the cost of hearing aids across the country. Yeah. So, if, yeah, the if I'm a hearing right. aid vendor, I'm not happy about this. Right. But if I'm a consumer, I'm very happy about this. Well, from what I recall with, with my parents, mm-hmm. um, the technology has really leapt forward quite a bit. It and, is. you know, I don't want to diss any audiologist and the importance of that. But the ability for the generalized hearing aid to be tuned by its wearer yeah. has improved. It has. And it makes sense yep. because that kind of technology, just like all technology, but again, has gotten the better cost and better. is enormous. But this this will yep. make it this will more make competitive. It more affordable, more competitive. Yep. Yep. Now is is there going to be any support from an insurance standpoint or well, I think that's where they're trying to go. You know, uh one of the proposals for Medicare under the Biden uh new new rules is that uh they're gonna cover vision and hearing. Right. On straight Medicare, not just Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage does cover some of that today. Yeah, depending on the, depending the on what your plan right, is. Right. But they don't really cover the cost of the hearing aid. Right. Well, and so now they're proposing that straight Medicare would be part of the benefits included in hearing and uh, vision. Gotcha. Well, let's yeah. use that segue mm-hmm. to the to the Biden, the latest yeah. Biden bill. OK. And good. what part of that. What, what are we at now? One point something trillion dollars. One point seven five trillion. One point seven five trillion. It may go back up. Or yeah, it's bouncing around. What part of that is involved in medicine? Good. Okay, good. Yeah, I've a got good about four bullets here that uh, we can talk about. Okay. Part of it, Medicare would be expanded to cover the hearing aids, cost an approximately thirty five billion dollars a year, included okay. in Medicare cost. That's gotcha. number one. So that links just to what we were talking just about. Just what an- we're talking about. Answers the yep. question we asked. Exactly. Uh, expanded tax credits for insurance premiums tied to the Affordable Care Act would be extended through 2025. Okay, let's pause. Yeah. Okay, so when the Affordable Care Act first came out, the idea it was that there was going to be subsidy. When it opened up, the subsidy didn't really turn out to be exactly what people thought, or is that, if, or am I well, being biased? Yeah, no, the subsidy actually was good if you had a low income. Right. You didn't qualify, didn't qualify. if you, you know, made $60,000 a year. And fast forward into the debacles. Right after that, Biden was and, inaugurated. And well, 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 well yep. even before that, all the ups and downs and failures and, and yep. near successes, yep. Yep. and then COVID. So then after Biden takes office, he immediately does a couple of things, right? He right. extends right. the period of time where you can apply Extended for. It from February right? to August of this year. And yep. then increase the subsidies yep. to where near everybody. Like triple the subsidies. Yeah, near yep. everybody was getting a subsidy. Yep. That's right. Independent but you still of, have that income level of qualification. Sure. So, all right. Yep. A certain level of income yep. and then zero subsidy. Right. But if you're going to qualify for a subsidy, it's now... Two to three times what it was. That's correct. And you have a longer period of time to enroll. Right. And by the way, this particular bill 
anticipates by extending the Affordable Care premium uh, tax credits would add an additional 3 million uninsured people to gain coverage based on the Affordable Care Act between now and 2025. Right. Now, so they gave a they gave a number for the hearing aids. Did they give a number in that article for they what this not. would cost? Because it's not. big. It's huge. Yeah. Now, That's is, it, huge is it sustainable? Number. Well, you know, you and I talk about that all the time. Right. I don't believe that that type of tax is sustainable on the American taxpayers without raising taxes. Right. So, again... You know, we go back to it's great if people aren't losing money out of pocket, but it really depends a lot upon where that money's coming from. Right. But you know, so if the, the insurers are mm-hmm. dropping rates based on now, now that's a conversation to be had. Right. But if it's going to just keep going up on our debt, our national yeah. debt, which we're not over, getting ahead. Which is nearly hitting thirty trillion dollars. Right. Today. And, and we're not. We haven't. No. Now a small part of that bill, it was kind of a laughable amount, was going to go towards national debt. Correct. But, but, you know, the one thing, Dr. Mark, that I think the Affordable Care Act did stand in, mm-hmm. if you remember late last year, where most of these employers, when you were losing employees, right. they had to find new insurance. True, and true. And when Biden extended that, they had a place to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, well, and that, was a, that was a pandemic reaction. Exactly. And th- yep. this, yep. not so much. Yep. And then, and so then the other thing is... But but anyway, that they expect that to add about another three million to the existing twelve million p- people that are on the Affordable Care Act. Gotcha. Today. And then another provision is provide one hundred and fifty billion for a Medicaid program that supports home health care, helping to clear a backlog and improve working conditions, and also bring that health care to the home. Gotcha, Doctor Mark. I love that. Well, we've had discussions about health care at home length. a great deal, yep, yep. and and that. Does, that's not like everything else we're looking at is kind of a zero sum, putting right, more money right, in, right. not really a right. plan to get less money right. paid later. Right. This actually could contribute to a plan that makes health care costs less Absolutely. moving forward. Yep. So Absolutely. that's a keeper. That's a good one. And then yep. the last one I've got is provide $90 billion for investments that would include funding maternal health, community violence initiatives, disadvantaged farmers, nutrition, and pandemic preparation and recourse. And I would have that's to say a, a lot, lot of yeah, it is. I mean that a lot a lot of good causes there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean to be you know kind of the uh, the argumentative type that I can be. Yeah. There are a lot of other good causes out there. So how yeah. do these make the list? Yeah. And the other ones kind of well, miss out. I think you could take this ninety billion and kind of add it towards that health equity movement. Yes. That the feds are trying to make sure that, and we talk about that mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. We all know. Health equity is a need in this country. It's and we're, and, no, we're nowhere and close I think to this, provide. Nowhere yeah. close, and particularly young moms, pregnant moms mm-hmm. that are unmarried, that are teenagers. Yep. This type of funding is going to help these people moving forward. It is. I think the big issue with health equity, though, is the geographic discrepancies that we see state to state. That this is a this is a national yeah. plan. And how you deploy a national plan can get very complicated. Right. And I, I'm going to throw out one other thing that mm-hmm. you mentioned. So we're looking at 12 million people being covered on the ACA. Today. Right. 12 million people. That's right. Okay. That ain't nothing. That's peanuts. I mean, yep. so so we have spent. And just so you know, when it first opened, it was 20 million. Yeah. And but we've, we've spent an enormous amount that of time. That was when it was you had to get coverage or you would be taxed. Right. And penalized. Exactly. That's right. You had to do it. And, and now 
with COVID, with everything yeah. else, with boosted, yeah. we're still at 12 million. That's right. Out out of 350 well, million Trump people, drop the mandates. Yep. And then you see it split in half. Well, and when people yeah. saw what it actually was, yeah. So that to me is concerning, yep. and just it makes me question about all the money that's being poured into this plan. How many people are getting anything yep. out of it? Exactly. You're listening to Healthcare Now: The Truth About U.S. Healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And uh, our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at followus at healthcarenow.us, which, by the way, is a temporary email. We will be changing that in the future as we uh, continue to grow and uh, add to our communications. But Dr. Mark, we'll be right back. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we are solving all the world's problems in healthcare. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. You know, I, I would th- I would say most of our people would say, "Gee, I must have missed a few segments." You know. So, I ran across a couple of interesting articles this week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is about the uh, 10 specialties with the highest markups over Medicaid. So let's Medicare. Kinda, I'm yep. sorry, over Medicare. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's sort of define exactly what that means. Okay. You know, the, the Urban Institute found that they did a survey found that many healthcare specialties markups are significantly above what the Medicare allowable rate is. And let me explain that. Yes. The Medicare allowable rate is at 100% of the Medicare rate. Everything is judged off of that, whether it's commercial or Medicare. Right. Or Medicare Advantage. And physicians are paid a percentage up or down of that 100%. Right. Not the way it's always been. Not the the way way. it's always Mm -hmm. been. And CMS decides what those... CPT code values are that are equal to 100% of Medicare. Right. So let me dumb it down. Does that make sense? Yeah. So CMS comes up and says, if you have this procedure done, the person performing the procedure or doing the visit is going to get paid this much. And that that number can be negotiated. If it's a Medicare patient. Yeah. If that number can be negotiated based on a percentage of that number. Correct. So Mm -hmm. in some cases you may have a contract that pays you less than that Medicare-type number, or you can have one that pays you more. And what this group looked at Mm -hmm. was what were the top 10 specialties that were making more than 100%. In the private insurance area. And and let me just say that that normal reimbursement of 
when when Medicare sort of started to, to get it, its feet in and when people were still charging what their costs I mean, I'm sorry, what her, their charges were, right, what they're right. made up. This Two is what or we three charge times for this. Medicare. About yeah. three times. That's so right. I, so I want to set that by saying that we're not saying these 10 specialties are ripping anybody off. Yeah. Quite frankly, they're making less yeah. than half of what they made 15 years ago exactly. for the same procedure. Exactly. Right? Well, you know, the difference there, let me, let me kind of clarify a couple things. What we're talking about here is when you look at straight Medicare, yes. that's, a, that's at a set fee rate. To cover on your a cost. CP, and that's not negotiable. Right. If you accept Medicare from right. CMS, and it's a straight Medicare patient, you get paid what CMS tells you they're going right. to pay, and that's it. Yes. But if it's Medicare Advantage, which right. is a private insurance plan, or private insurance, the mm-hmm. commercial side, you have the ability to negotiate. And and they have the ability to make it less than 100%. Yes, right. And jump back into what Medicaid is, yep. and Medicaid is typically about half of that Medica- Medicare Medicaid's about number. 60% yeah. of Medicare. That's and right. So, that's right. so that's another area where you can negotiate. Absolutely. And so it, and, and when, you know, people that are on Medicaid, just like if you're on Medicare mm-hmm. Advantage, it's not that straight mm-hmm. number. It's a man, it's managed by another company, yep. not managed by, you know, right. the, the U.S. Right. Medicaid, CMS directly. Mm-hmm. So that's why... There's a negotiation. Well, so, there have been some support. You know, Medicaid, in reality, is funded by both the government, correct. the federal government, federal and, and the state. state. Uh-huh. So there's been some mandates over the last few years to where the Medicaid reimbursement in Florida particularly subsidized what the Medicare rate, Medicaid rate was paid by the feds. And so in many regards, our doctors, particularly primary care, were getting Medicare rates for Medicaid patients. Right. So it was a 40% bump in what they were getting. That's right. And interestingly, the specialists kind of got cut out of that. They did. And so the thought was, well, gee, you know, they get great rates with the commercial payers and and the advantage payers, but they're they're still getting the same poor rates in Medicaid and Medicare. Exactly. And I think it's interesting, you know, when you talk about the specialist, I'll tell you where the specialists get hit the hardest, and that's in Medicare Advantage. Yes. And uh, you're, you're not doing yeah. a lot. And no, as I a surgeon, yeah. you, you get pretty decent rates. But let's talk about these 10 specialties with the highest markups. You want to hit the first couple yeah. of them? I kind of like imagine if I was in, in the room with all our <laughs> IPN guys and we could do this as a game show. Yeah. And we'd say, <laughs> what is the number one largest group that, that is has a largest markup over over Medicare? And again, I want to tout the groups are saying this is not them ripping anybody off. No. This is actually a huge decrease from what they yes. were getting reimbursed. That's correct. But the number one is anesthesia. Yep. So anesthesia gets about 330% over of the Medicare, Medicare allowable rate. Right. Yeah. Which yep. is pretty close to the max right. historically. But interestingly, I, I talked to a lot of real straight shooting anesthesia folks that are in big groups and they are screaming That they're just getting destroyed. Well, most anesthesiologists today have joined either large Mm -hmm. independent organizations or they become an employee of the hospital. Correct. Correct. And they're, but by the, even so the way they get paid is based on what they collect in one way or another. And, and even though at 30, 330%, I mean, that would be an amazing rate for, for my practice. Yeah. But it's apparently, you know, not, not really turning the uh, gears for them. Exactly. All right. Number two group mm-hmm. is emergency and critical care medicine 
at about 250%. Okay. And you I know what's interesting, it's not Dr. Too confusing Mark, here. when you take the first two you've mentioned, anesthesia and emergency medicine, mm-hmm. those are the biggest reasons people get surprise billing to. Right, right. Isn't that interesting? And they're also two of the largest groups that are either in large national yeah. groups or employed by hospitals. Right. And yeah. think about it. You go into surgery, they don't tell you what your anesthesiology is going to cost or your nurse yeah. anesthetist. Right. And you certainly, when you go to the ER, they don't tell you what you might end up paying unless you really know your benefits. Right. And it's a commercial health plan. Yep. You're absolutely right. You know? Well, number three mm-hmm. at 220% is neurosurgery. Wow. And, you know, neurosurgery is not, a, there, there's, there, it's a more rare profession. We um, call it a super specialist. A super specialist. Yep. Yep. Um, not all hospitals have full neurosurgical coverage. Uh, there's a mix of employed, but mostly contracted or yep. private yep. practice yep. neurosurgeons. And there aren't that many of them. And there aren't that yep. many of them. Yep. Exactly. And historically, uh, neurosurgery being in the, historically the highest paid, sure. paid group. So and, you know, it's interesting, Dr. Mark, when we negotiate for our IPN doctors, that's one specialty that usually is carved out yep. that we call it and gets a much higher rate. Correct. Correct. Yep. Okay. Number four is radiology, dropping down to 180%. And again... Here we're looking at a lot of group, big groups, and employed physicians, yeah. and yeah. so they're they're having to struggle back with the hospital that if they're not getting these great rates, that they're not they're not earning the money well, that they that, were. That that one surprises me, Doctor Mark, yeah, and I'll thought, tell you why. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of radiologists in our IPN group yep, that are in and freestanding centers that are in independent centers, mm-hmm. and if they ever get a hundred percent of Medicare, they're doing really well. Exactly. And, it's that, the hospitals it's the that hospitals are getting this huge rates. Absolutely. Yep. And, and it doesn't funnel directly down yep. to the physicians. Yep. And I can tell you the CPT codes in radiology mm-hmm. continue to be slashed by Medicare. Yeah. Cont- even as of coming into 2022, there's been another proposal for a 6% decrease in reimbursement coming into radiology Boy, into 2022. That's going to crush a lot of these centers oh, because they don't pay facility fees. Of, of, I get the calls same like. all the time yeah. from our radiologists. Yep. So next, mm-hmm. uh, the the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten run between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and thirty percent over. Okay. Uh, number five is orthopedic surgery, mm-hmm. and I get that. Yep, one fifty for orthopedes is not bad. Right, right. I I'm, don't think that's well, excessive. You know, Do you, Doctor Mark? Well, it's funny. So we're coming at it from a, two different angles. Right. And what I can tell you, as I bump the mic once again, what I can tell you is that I know what my colleagues are seeing at the end right. of the year. Right, right. And this is just one piece of the issue. But I'm not saying that they can't afford to make their mortgage payments. I don't mean to say right. that at all. Right, right, But, But, but what's fair but, reimbursement? Yeah, That's what we're talking every about. Every year, they're getting cut further and further exactly. back. Exactly. So, so again, I don't bring this whole topic up as a, wow, look how much they're getting. Or a whining. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really more... In historically, these numbers are tremendously decreased because all these groups were getting 300%. Yeah. And so now we look at orthopedics at 150%. Mm-hmm. Number six is surgical and radiation oncology at 140%. So That's a low number. It's really starting to drop yeah. down low. Yeah. Yeah. Now, radiation oncology is kind of interesting because their facility fees are very, very, very high, high. Yeah. but they are getting cut quite quite a bit now. So they, they've had entire procedures yep. taken yep. off the books. Yep. In fact, a few years ago, I think the the number of patients that were getting uh, 
radiation oncology placement of seeds for prostate cancer dropped. And that, that accounted for about 30% of their business. Right. So they just plummeted in what their overall earnings were yep. looking at. Yep. So number seven is general surgery, at a, also at 140%. And you're a pediatric general surgeon. Right. And yep. so I, I have a lot of stuff based on Medicaid. Yep. So that puts me in a... a it's kind of one of those things. There are a number of specialists. Yep. Pediatric neurosurgery, yep. pediatric ENT, pediatric yep. surgery tend to make less than their right. adult counterparts, yep. even though they have extra training and are a much smaller number of, right. of folks. So and that's we kind fight of for reimbursement for you all the time, Doctor Mark. You know how that is. Big, yeah, big chunks. We've been doing I mean, it we for lose years. Things. Yeah, we big we lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people come in and with new insurance companies. Yeah. And you know change what I find game. interesting in these though, they they talk about the actual physician reimbursement. And I say that, and been doing this for years in contracting, I see the shift. They're taking it away from the independent practice, right. and they're giving it to the hospitals. Yeah, the, yeah, the, and that's just the like facilities. feeding the beast, in my opinion. Well, but the reason that's happening yep. is because who's negotiating these contracts? Well, that's right. If you're it's an employed physician, yeah. right, and, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment, so let's put a pin in that. But, okay. But okay. who negotiates these Good. contracts, and it's the hospitals that negotiate the contracts. And if you're negotiating two things, you're negotiating your facility fee and your professional fee. Right. Well, if you can base what you pay your doctors on what professional fee they collect, then yep. you're going to say, hey, you can cut yep. back on that professional fee, but bump me up on the facility exactly. fee. And if that seems nefarious, If you're the hospital. Is. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's going to happen right. all the time. Well, do you remember that uh, patient... Uh, testimony we had last week about the patient that was getting the injections right. in her hand for $30 yep. Yep. And, and all of a sudden it employed. went to 350 right. but the charge was 1300 right. and something dollars and 1200 and something of it was the facility fee. Yep. And the, yeah, the doctor's not getting anything different. Yeah. yeah. So we've got the last three are all at 130%. Mm-hmm. So urology, cardiovascular surgery, which has been decimated in the last 20 years yep. and cardiology. Yep. So they're all at the one, so 130%. So, you know, 30% above Medicare. So, again, what would be really interesting is to see these numbers 20 years ago and be surprised that despite inflation and all the other changes is people were doing much better people. Oh. You know, these it's half of spread. what it yeah. was back in yeah. those days, Dr. So, if not a third. So what that tells yeah. you is this Medicare number that gets set is a bar that's it's too low. Yeah. And it's really crushing a number of groups but we're yep. going to we're going to talk a little bit about the employed physicians. Yep. This is very directly affects the physicians that are in independent practice yep. mm-hmm. because they don't really have a big voice. You know, they can't say, "Well, we represent this." I mean, that's one of the ways that IPN comes in with a little bit of strength and the value based exactly. value exactly. based care and you know shared savings. Well, great so, article, Doctor Mark. Yeah, Thanks for going through that. But when we come back, we're going to discuss about unionization of physicians in the employed world. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And uh, our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us, which, by the way, is a temporary email. We will be changing that in the future as we uh, continue to grow and uh, add to our communications. But Dr. Mark will be right back. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. 
Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit Orlando Pediatric Surgery. Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Let's talk about healthcare issues, how to navigate a confusing healthcare marketplace, and how to become an educated healthcare consumer. Join Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Chayette on Healthcare Now, Saturday afternoons at 1 p.m. on Orlando's newest healthcare talk show, Healthcare Now. Join the discussion. Go online to healthcarenow.us or email them at followus at healthcarenow.us. Your answer for the truth about healthcare on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Hope everybody's having a great afternoon and we didn't get too dry on that last one. There are a lot of numbers, a lot of, numbers. A lot of kind of coming from two different directions, like it's greater than 100%, but that wasn't actually a good thing. It's right. better than it being less than, but it's right. still not a good situation. But you know, Dr. Mark, one of the things that we continually talk about is not only is this show about helping build educated consumers, but it's all about having a discussion with all shareholders in healthcare about how the healthcare system works and how to navigate through it. Right. And the the system has to work and it's different pieces and parts and everybody is everybody's in this together. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. I tell you, I came across this article and it really made me it made my head spin a little bit. <laughs> so basically it's about physicians and the, the, it was entitled, Is It Time to Unionize? And so let me give some background, okay? okay? So we've always said that, you know, when it comes to neg- negotiating contracts, like let's say that I take out somebody's gallbladder. Okay. And I have, this patient has, let's just pick United Healthcare. Well, then one of my colleagues can take out somebody else's gallbladder and the patient can have United Healthcare. Well, I could get paid twice what they do or half what they do, sure. right? And here's a weird thing, Larry. I'm not allowed to know or discuss what my colleague oh, exactly. gets. Exactly. I'd okay, deal that, with it. It's called a called, messenger model right. contracting. Right. So yeah. that's that would be collusion. Yeah. I'd deal with that every day. Right. Yeah. So so but I don't think our listeners probably know that because it's a correct. weird thing. So yep. so physicians can't actually say Hey, what do you get for this? That right. we, we would actually get in trouble and be yes. sanctioned if we did that, right. right? If the payers challenged, if it. they figured it out, That's you right. know, if they could That's prove right. that we were say yeah. say we were let's say an IPM. Yeah. If we sat down an IPM and told everybody, you know, we're going to get you the same rate, we'd be in big trouble. Big trouble. So yeah. so so that, let's and there have pin- been some IPAs across the country that got into trouble with the OIG because of that very thing. Right, right. So, yep. so that's where our basis is. We cannot, mm-hmm. we can't discuss it. We cannot unionize because the very thought of a union would be that's exactly why you would that's have right. a union, right? Yep. I mean, you'd you'd want to be discussing it. And so, all that, all those things being said, mm-hmm. here's this article, okay. and it's by uh, a penned point, uh, and it was written by an mm-hmm. LA anesthesiologist. It's a new new uh, publication. I'm not real familiar with a penned point. No, I think it's a internet publication, and okay. I know I'd got this through uh, one of my Doximity feeds. Okay, uh, that they kind of get interesting articles and mm-hmm. do vet out where they come from. But really interesting. So 
is a time to unionize. So how can this be, Larry? Well, it's very specific. Okay. Physicians could unionize if they're employees and they're not decision makers. Right. Right. So all of my independents, all my buddies, we cannot unionize They're because all we exempt from this. Yep. Well, well or, yeah, we're all yep. excluded. Excluded, excluded. Is excluded. The word, we not couldn't exempt. unionize because, yeah. quite frankly, yeah. who would we be striking from? Because what? Right. So a union is going to function to make sure that the employee gets appropriate treatment, benefits, workplace. That's right. And all those things. And if they're not being met, they have the right to strike. Yep. So this is this talks about it very succinctly that if you're if you're an employee and you're not a decision maker that you actually could advocate to put together a union says it actually says without if you're an employee without the power to hire fire or make managerial decisions i thought that was good that really clears that up and they said according to one estimate more more anesthesiologists are employed today than ever before. Yep. So and 55%, we just talked about that earlier. Right. Yeah. And so those folks could possibly possibly unionize. Yes. And well, what what if you can't? I mean, can you strike without a union? I mean, that that was another thing that was brought up, and and it has happened in years past, yep. and and state governments have ruled against this and forced people yep. back to work. I mean, it's really just kind of a an interesting piece. To go over, it's it's for a little too in depth to just go you know paragraph by paragraph. But the idea that we're talking about doctors now being able to, and I guess always were able to, we just didn't really pay attention to the details. Exactly, yep. to be able to unionize yep. and and negotiate our pay, negotiate our benefits. I mean, well, we let never me, talked let me about state this, this Doctor Mark. I mm-hmm. kind of clear that up. It says, "Can we strike without a union?" It says uh, anesthesiologists and other physicians can act act collectively without any union affiliation, and they have done so before. But if no union is involved, it doesn't matter whether or not they are employees. Right. So if they're contracted yep. individuals, they right. can. They, they can. can strike. That's right. That's right. So, so it is. It's it's certainly. I don't know, to me, Larry, what this brings up is we are in a really sad state of health care and health care reimbursement. Yep. When somebody is able to write an interesting and a well-thought-out article about our physicians yep. striking. Because can you imagine if at one of the major hospitals, the anesthesiologists, and I'm not picking on them, they were yep. discussed in this article, decided that the conditions weren't right for whatever reason, and they're going to strike. And that you or your loved one and family members that were going to have surgery that day... Won't be having it. Won't be having it. That's right. Now, would they go so far as to turn away emergency... I mean, you know, I don't know the details. No one one knows. Right. But the fact that that's the conversation... Obviously, it's happened to this guy that wrote this article. Right. Yeah. But the fact that it's it's in the conversation is kind of disgusting to me because healthcare is different. It is different. Yeah, it's a business. Of course. But to survive. To, to, to yeah. what extent can well, it be protected for some of the ugliness right, right. of business so we can give care and and treat a community and be right. a, a civilized nation right. that we're, I'm, I'm sure I'm yeah. going to get good health care? Well, you know, Dr. Mark, we founded IPN, and you were one of the founding members, and then I came on board a little later, to preserve and protect the independent practice of medicine. Mm-hmm. That's why we founded this organization. Right. And I think it's interesting that... 
the pressure has never been more today on independent doctors, whether it's from insurance companies, whether it's from health systems or hospitals, to not only pin physicians in a corner right. and lower their reimbursement. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that only 10%, up to 10%, not even 10% of all healthcare dollars actually go to physicians. Right. The other 90% plus goes to everything else. Right. And yet... Everything, nothing happens until a physician writes a script or treats patients. Right, and and when people pay their all too large medical bills, right, uh, they really do think that that that's going into their doctor's pocket. I mean, exactly. when they think out the details, yep. they know yep. that's not all true. Right. But you're right; less than ten percent yeah. of the expenditures the, go to the of the healthcare dollar go to okay. physicians. Right. Yep, and and again, I'm not saying that we need bigger houses, faster cars, more yep. vacations. What I'm saying is. We've lost and lost, and the groups that really get hurt are the groups that are present when rates get cut. Because everybody chooses where they work, how they work, where their kids go to school, based on what they're able to do. And then when suddenly you have, it's basically like having a job and being told you can only come in and work half the hours and make half the hours. And that's that's what's happening year after year. I like your term lost and lost over the years, Dr. Mark, because... You can look at the statistics on the reimbursement levels of physicians in CPT codes and ICD-10 codes, Mm -hmm. and you can see the dramatic reduction in reimbursement no matter what line of business. But then you go and compare it to what the hospitals are being paid, and they're increased every year. Absolutely. So that's where the balance isn't in effect. Yep. Uh, One of the things we used to talk about was Mm -hmm. we want to go back to... Medicare in 1985, because the reimbursement was better, and the 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 hospitals it, they would hate it. Yep, <laughs> they would hate it. But the uh, physicians physicians would yeah. rejoice. Well, so. you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of our former medical directors, who is retired now, used to be a country doctor in Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri area, out in the out in the rural area, and he told me that back in the early 80s and 70s that. Uh, you know, he didn't have all this paperwork. He didn't have EMR. Right. He didn't have all these health plan decisions. It, you know, it, it, someone would come see him and it cost him 10 bucks and they'd pay him cash and he'd be on his way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, yeah. Def- definitely a new, a new whole play out. New isn't perspective it? A whole new world. Today. New yeah. world. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about mm-hmm. what we look forward to in the future. So overall, the healthcare field is expected to grow 16% over the next 10 years. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a big number? I don't know. 16% in 10 years. Our population growth is... is Well, considering it's one of the most in-demand uh, fields in America, I think that's a pretty big number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, I mean, I, I would have thought... I mean, if we, I'd like to see a comparison of just what our population growth is going to be, yeah. because I think it's going to be greater than that. Well, according to CNBC and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it ranked health care as one of the top 11 in most demands in the country today. Right, so in de- in demands, but yep. but not necessarily being filled. Right, well, so, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So out of that growth, the uh, the biggest growth rate projected is with nurse practitioners. So yep. fi- a fifty two percent. So not sixteen. And explain, Doctor Mark, yeah. what a nurse practitioner is. So a nurse practitioner is someone who's completed their nursing degree, yep. has had clinical experience right. usually, and then goes in to get either a master's or a doctorate in nursing. Right. right. 
Uh, and depending on where they work, um, they can either be a, a provider's extension, which means they work in an office right. where there's a supervising physician, right. or in many <clears throat> cases, they can have a freestanding right. practice on their own. Yeah. Well, you know, in looking through this and how they've labeled these top 11, I think this nurse practitioner projected growth rate of 52% also includes RNs. And the reason I say that later down on number six, they talk about physician assistants. And when you look at nurse practitioners and PAs, that's almost the same. No, 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 no. They're different. They're different. Yeah, they're no, yeah. no, that, they're yeah. they're talking about ARNPs. They're not talking they're, about no, RNs. No, no, not talking about okay. RNs. Okay. Yeah, okay. No. okay. I see where you, you would. You be see confused. where I'm going with that? Well, we often of the talk shortage about of nurses. Right. Yeah. We often talk about physician assistants and mm-hmm. nurse practitioners in the same breath because they're both correct physician extenders. Right. They do have different. Right capabilities and abilities mm-hmm. and different ways in different states that they work. Okay. Uh, but, but those are two different, two different pieces. Right. But you know, that is, that's number six at mm-hmm. 32%. And let's, let's group those two together. Like you right. would imagine they would be. Yeah. And something that I've talked about in my, in the next 10 years, what I think we're going to see is those two groups, the nurse practitioners and the physician assistants are going to be our primary care evaluators and givers. Well, and, and that's the key right there, Dr. Mark. The demand in primary care physicians has got to be so big when it comes to value-based care and all these other new programs that CMMI and CMS are rolling out. The, the actual internal medicine or family practice physician can't handle that load. Right, and... Yeah. More than even the load, if if a mm-hmm. hospital is going to hire someone that can do primary care, right. they can save a lot of money if they're going to hire a nurse practitioner or a right. physician assistant. Yep. So even if they have to hire one to be a supervisor, which right. isn't necessarily the case in a right. lot of states, right. then you've got these folks. And I think that's that's who you're going to go see yep. for your annual visit 10 years from now. And, and, you know, and, it's it's and today, to, yeah. to a lot of extent. It's happening. You know, t- yeah. In telehealth today... If you get a telehealth call, right. there's a pretty good chance you're going to be talking to a nurse practitioner or a PA instead of the actual physician. Right. And we looked at when uh, CVS and Walgreens were getting into the game, right. they were they were using nurse practitioners pretty primarily. Right. And so right. For, for their visits. So well, let's throw up a couple of uh, other other numbers. Big numbers were occupational therapists mm-hmm. and physical therapists and home health, because we talk a yep. lot about home health. Yep. But we covered a lot of things today. We did. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to this, Larry. But Okay. But I wanted to uh, clear out at the last segment, and uh, we'll be able to uh, talk about this some more as we go forward. Okay. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And uh, our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us, which, by the way, is a temporary email. We will be changing that in the future as we uh, continue to grow and uh, add to our communications. Another good conversation, Dr. Mark. Great being with you this afternoon, and we'll see you next week. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.